Welcome back, everyone, to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church podcast presented right here from Albuquerque, New Mexico in the Three Angels Studios. This week on the podcast, Elder Nick and Elder Adrian are discussing worshiping the Creator and why that is important. A call to worship the Creator is needed today in a world that throws all kinds of theories at us trying to pull us away from serving our Creator. We also discuss how we are to recognize and know that we have a companion during these times of tribulation. God is a God of creation, but He is also a God who wants to be close to us. This was manifested to us when Jesus came to die on the cross in order that humanity might be reunited with God in heaven one day. I hope this lesson will be a blessing to you this week as you prepare for your Sabbath school classes. Today's lesson is going to be worshiping the Creator, and this is going to be for May 6th through May 12th. Now, this is our seventh lesson, and so far the lessons have been very, very impactful and very good. Um, with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and open up with a quick prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for bringing us safely through another week. We thank you for allowing us to be able to study this lesson this week, and for everyone who is listening to this lesson as well, Lord, we pray that it'll be uplifting and encourage us to continue moving on in the right direction. We thank you for the lessons presented. Lord, help us to open our minds and our hearts to be able to receive your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and we'll take a look at the memory text for this week. The memory text for this week is found in Revelation 4, verse 11, and it says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now, this is a very interesting Sabbath school lesson, um, I, mostly for the fact that, you know, as you're going through it, it, it throws in quite a bit of information, mm-hmm. you know, not just about what, you know, this verse means, but also some insight into the science, which I was kind of surprised to read in yeah. here. Um, yep. And we'll get to that later on in this lesson, but there was just so much information, so much stuff that you had to look at and kind of, you know, adjust in your own mind about, you know, our existence, literally. Yeah, and and it's still kind of tying it back to that first angel's message because it's talking about worshiping the creator, right? And and like it talks about here in this memory text is that, that he is worthy to receive that. And, and we'll discuss, of course, this morning why he is worthy yes. and the reasons why. And I don't, I don't think anybody's, uh, can, you know, say, well, I don't, I don't think he's worthy, but, but even if you had any doubts about it, we're still going to go through that and, and talk about those reasons. And I think that's what this lesson really pulls out is that he is worthy of that create of, 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 of being worshiped, you know, and, and yeah. it's something that we don't always think about in that sense. No, it's. I think this lesson for me, I think as I went through it was, you know, a kind of a humbling thing. You know, it, there was a lot of stuff in here that really kind of put in perspective the scale of of what's been created in this universe and just how powerful and amazing that really is. Because most people, as they go through their day-to-day life, and I, I love this this part here where it says, however you have stopped to think about how much we take existence itself for granted. For granted, yeah. You know, that is how often we do we stop and ask the famous philosophical question, why is there something instead of nothing? Yeah. And just that alone, as you're going through this lesson, 
trying to comprehend exactly what that means. You know, you may blow a fuse one or two times just trying to, (laughs) you know, figure it out because, you know, there was nothing. And then with a snap, there was everything. Yeah. And and I think that, like like I said, we take so many things for granted already. We wake up in the morning, our eyes open up and we start breathing, you know, we, we breathe and we're like, we just go about our day, like, hurry up, I got to get to work, I got to do all the things I have to do. Yeah. But you, you don't really stop and think sometimes, like, man, there was a chance I could have died in my sleep last night. Mm-hmm. You know, you go outside and you walk outside and feel the sun on your skin, the warmth of it. You you get to breathe the air, and it's like, we don't even, we don't really <laughs> ever stop and think until we, you know, you read something like this this week, and you're like, yeah, you know what, we do take those things for granted. We take that, oh, yeah. those those little things that we just assume are always going to be there, you know, we take them for granted and we don't always um, give give God the glory for those things. Like, Lord, thank you so much for allowing me to be able to breathe this morning and have clean air to breathe, you know. And I know that's not the case everywhere because pollution and all that. I know people argue about that. But but the, but you you still have the ability to to go outside and enjoy time in nature um, and just feel, you know, feel the sun. And, and just like, like yesterday, we had some opportunity to go out into our yard and do yard work and kind of clean up our yard and just to be able to spend time outside. And it was nice and warm for once. And it was just a nice day. And sometimes you're so busy, you don't get to, you know, stop and really enjoy that. Yeah. And, and we do. We take so many things for granted. And I think it, that's why it, like it talks about here in the lesson is when we when we take those things for granted, we're we're not always inclined to give God the glory for all of those things because we just assume it's supposed to be there. Yeah. And you know, it, it if it wasn't for our creator, like you said, you know, we would not be here. You know our creator made the decision mm-hmm. to make us, to to make the universe, to make mm-hmm. things. You know, and to kind of comp- try to comprehend that is very difficult you know it's un it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah but at the same time our faith allows us to believe yeah and it's so it, it's such a crazy concept to try to understand that you know science itself is still trying to figure out where the universe came from they're still trying to figure out what started it all mm-hmm. all they know is at one point the universe expanded like out of nowhere from what their beliefs are. Yeah. But we know it says so in the first part of Genesis, the very first chapter, God created the universe, the stars, the heavens and everything. And we have our answer, but there are people that are still trying to, you know, look at and go, well, you know, before that there was absolutely nothing. There was no God. There was nothing, you know, how did God get there? And, you know, don't get me wrong. I've asked myself that same question. It's like, well, how did God get there? I think everyone has. Yeah. But it's not really about trying to figure that out. It's more about taking a leap of faith and saying he existed in the beginning and he will exist in the end. Yeah, and and like you said, it's faith. We we base the the fact that that this world was created by God in the seven literal, you know, in the six little days and rested on the seventh day, as the Bible tells us. We t- we take that by faith. That's all we know. We know it by faith. And we can kind of see things in nature and see the see the handiwork of God and see the things that he that he did. And we can attribute those and say, well, there's no other way that this can come about except God. So we do take it by faith. Now, 
science, as we know, always has to have a reasoning, right? There's always mm-hmm. going to be a reasoning behind it. And so they try to prove that the existence of the world came through by, by this means and that means and, and scientific proof, proof shows it. But to a degree, they still have to have an amount of faith that that proof or that thing that they're talking about now, all of these billions of years later, actually happened in the way that they said it happened. It still has to take some amount of faith to believe that it was or that it existed the way they're saying that it does. Oh, yeah. So it's not like it's completely far out for them to say that us having faith is something that's just all that. That's absolutely crazy because all things take some amount of faith. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And, you know, as, as we're going through this study, we're going to see that there are those that have faith that they struggle. And it's it's just part of who we are as as humans. It's our nature to question everything. Yeah. You know, even if the answer is not really what we want, we still question everything. Yeah. And for a lot of people that don't believe, who don't have that faith, who don't follow Christianity, they ask the same questions that all Christians ask. How did it begin? Why did it begin? How did we get here? (laughs) You know, why am I here? If if all of the millions and billions and trillions and Googleplex of specs in the entire universe, Mm -hmm. how did my being come to be? You know, and it's it's a very crazy question. But for us, you know, it says we were made from the earth and God breathed life into our lungs. Yeah. And that's how we man came to be. And <clears throat> I guess for some people that that that's a weird thought. But for us, because our faith is in scripture, is in the war, because it has not let us down. It, everything that's in scripture has has come to fruition. Yeah. For us, we look at the words in, in the Bible and go, well, yeah, that's the answer right there. Yeah, yeah. You know, why why should I question it? Why should I go beyond what that is, you know? And it it's difficult. And what's more interesting is, you know, you hear the, the, the statistic that most scientists are atheists mm-hmm. because they, they can't allow the influence of this creator into their concept because they feel that it will taint their research. But what's even crazier is that there are some scientists who go, I know the truth and it's in scripture, but I want to know more. <laughs> but, yeah, the, but. And, and then one thing that I always was always amazed at is that especially reading the Old Testament is that we see that God created all these things, right? Heavens, earth, stars, moon, sun. And then to make things worse, that the fact that people didn't believe that already is that they started worshiping the things that God created. Instead of the creator himself, right? Yeah. Uh, I think what I think in the notes is Psalms 96.5 tells us, All the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. To whom then will you liken me, or, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things? Right? It was God that created all of these things. All these things that people choose to worship instead of God. There is the God who created all of this. You have that as as take the step back and you say, this is God who created everything that we look at. And yet people say, no, I don't want to worship God. I'd rather worship the sun and the stars mm-hmm. and the moon and everything else <laughs> that God created instead of worshiping God. Yeah. And, and so they worship a sun, but they can't worship the God. And why, what is usually the reason for that? Because it's something they can see. Yep. It's, oh, I can see the sun, but I can't see God. It's tangible. Yeah. But yet if we understand and you know, learning more about God is that we can see God in all of his creation. 
we see God because there is a sun, because there is a moon, because there is stars. You know, you go out in the darkest part of the night and look up in the sky and you can't count the stars. You say, there's no way that just came about. Yeah. Some, somebody, somebody created this. This is, this is more than just uh, a chance. But yet, people, other people will look at it and say, well, look at all those stars. I'm going to worship those stars because I can see them, but I can't see God. Yeah. It, it 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 kind of brings this idea in my head, you know, of somebody trying to explain the science of magnets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I don't know how it works. <laughs> I just know they work. You know, and it, it's simple because God made it that way so that you had magnetic or magnetic polarity that certain things attract to each other and certain things repel each other. Yeah, you know, and I think if you look at magnets. You know, we are like magnets. Mm-hmm. There are things that we attract to ourselves, but at the same time, there are other things that we repel or should repel. Yeah, yeah. And for a scientist to go, oh well, because you have a positive electrons and you have negative electrons, and you know they do their <laughs> little their little thing. Yeah, it's like okay, but why? Mm-hmm. Why does a positive electron and a negative electron do what they do? They can't explain it. Yeah. It's like, well, I can't because God made it that way. <laughs> God made it that way. But that's too simple for them, right? It's too simple to just say that this is the way and and accept it by faith and, and, and go about your day. That's too hard for a lot of people, especially people who are very analytical yeah, and, and want to know, you know, there's the people who want to know how things work. Somebody will look at a computer and say, okay, the computer works, but others will want to take apart the computer and see how does it work? Why does it do what it does? Why, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that and just... And there's always going to be two different groups of people that are going to, that are going to battle with this, with the, especially when it comes to creation. You know? uh, and one thing, I, there's a saying that I remember, and I can't remember who said it, but they said, given all possibilities, sometimes the simplest solution is the right solution. Mm-hmm. And for us, the simplest solution is God made things the way they are. Yeah. And for others, you know, they have to have a, well, it's like, well, that's just too simple. That's just... How, why is it that simple? It's like, because when you look at the creation of everything, you can't explain why dolphins swim the way they swim. You can't explain why the wind blows the way it blows or why when we look up in the sky, you know, it takes a certain amount of time for light to go from the sun to hit the retinas in our eyes. You can't fully explain why it is the way it is. You can explain how it happens but you can never explain the why. The why yeah. And the why is very simple for us. It's because that's what God made it do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I know we're, we could probably go into like this whole <laughs> science versus belief topic for yeah, hours yeah. and hours because it's really a very interesting topic to discuss. But then we'll never get done with the Sabbath school lesson and just, it wouldn't be good for anybody listening. But, you know, I, I want us to take a look at, you know, the story of John when he was on the island of Patmos, you know, by himself. He's the last living, one of the last living apostles. Yeah. And he's, he's separated from everyone. He's, he's away from everything that he's used to. And, you know, he's basically been kicked out of, out of his home by, by the emperor, you know, just mostly for, for his beliefs and the, what he thought. And it was very interesting. And what I really love about this part of the lesson is how it, how even when you are isolated from the entire world, you are by yourself. There is no one there. You're never really alone. Yeah. Yeah. And we see that here, you know, with 
Jesus already ascending to heaven, sending an angel from the throne room of God to come talk to John and yep. basically tell John, you're not in this by yourself. I am still with you. I may not be there in a physical sense, but I am there with you through spirit. And when we take that in, into, into our lives, yeah, you know, we're basically John in this world. You know, as a Christian, you are walking this world a lot of times by yourself. You're, mm-hmm. you go to work. You don't know who all is Christian. You don't know who yeah. all follows the same faith. You might be the only one there. Exactly. You might be. You know, and it's in those situations that you need to look at yourself and go, I'm, I, I feel alone. Physically, Physically I'm alone. Yeah, yeah. But in my heart and in my spirit, I'm not alone because Jesus is with me throughout the, throughout all of this. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because we know that as long as we're alive, like it's, we're going to face tribulation. We're going to face troubles. We're going to face trials. We're going to face, maybe you won't be banished to an island, but you're going to be in a, like you said, like you said, in a sense, you might be on your own little island. You know, you might be the only one believing what you believe at work. Sometimes you might be the only one believing in your family. And that alone can make, can make you feel separated and completely alone. Yeah. And this whole thing about Christ as our companion in tribulation, I think, that's hard for a lot of people to understand and to get because, like you said, again, you can't see him all the time. You can't see him. And so to have, um, to get to a point in your life where you f- you feel and have that peace and know that he's there. Yeah. Like, that takes a lot to get there. And I know it sounds so simple and it's something we, we probably preach a lot and we teach a lot. Say, oh, you know, Jesus is always with you. Jesus is always with you, right? It's yep. like a cliche thing that we say. But... I think for each of us, we have to understand what that means for each of us. And I don't know if there's really a general statement that we could say, this is how it is for everyone. Yeah. Because I don't think it is because everybody's going to experience God in a different way. Everybody's going to have a different um, walk and different relationship with him. And so it's just going to, it's going to be what, what matters for you. I know, um, especially in my, my mid twenties that my, I had, I had a lot going on in my life and you know, you can, you can pray. You can try to find your connection with God, but sometimes, especially like going to church and doing that, that didn't always work. And I always co- go home, you know, and feel like, man, that just, I just feel like still separated, even after going to church or prayer meeting, Bible studies, whatever. But the times that God was nearest to me is I remember I used to go and go walk. I would walk for like two, three, four miles and just pray as I was walking. And I remember, I remember all of those times that I did that. And it was in those moments when I was absolutely alone, just praying to God out in the open air that I literally felt peace. And I would go back home afterwards. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm okay now because I had that moment that I just felt peace, but it was strangely, I don't know why, but it was always on the walks. I could get him, go to my room and, and, you know, kneel down and pray for an hour but sometimes I still didn't feel the same peace as if when I was outside just walking and just praying about, and just like emptying out. Nobody else knew what was going on. Yeah. I was just able to commune with God. And those are the moments that he felt the very closest to me. And for me, that was like my companion and, you know, the <laughs> companion in tribulation because I would go home and I would know that, okay, you're, you're with me. Yeah. I was able to talk to you about everything and somehow just like talk, you know, in a sense, talking it out. Um, just made me feel better 
And, you know, we, we deal with that with in, in human relations today. Sometimes people just hold things for a long time, but sometimes when you're able to just go talk to somebody about something, you just feel better. Yeah. And it just makes you feel better. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's, I, I think the story of Paul in this situation is just, just that for all of us, you know, it, we all face trials, but you know, the message that Jesus was letting Paul know is that this isn't going to be the only trials that mankind goes through. There's going to be several trials we'll go through before, before we see the acts of revelation really start taking place. And the, the part here that I, I just truly appreciate that they emphasize is that the book of revelation isn't necessarily about the end of days. Mm-hmm. It is, but there's a, there's something in there that's very important for all of us to look at and to remember. And that is that revelation is about worship. Mm-hmm. Now we see it throughout the three angels message. Yeah. You know, worship mm-hmm. God, fear God, give praise to God. You know, this is the things that as, as man, we should be doing on a daily basis. You know, when we, when we wake up in the morning, we should give him glory for allowing us to take that breath into our lungs. You know, we, we need to recognize that tomorrow his hour of judgment may be here. And where are we at in our lives? Are we there yet to say, Lord, I am with you. I am following you. I'm doing what you want. Or are we still living of the world? Yeah. Yeah. And it's very interesting too, because this verse, uh, Revelation fourteen seven, where it says, "Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water." Yeah. The fact that that verse, which we find in Revelation, is the same verse that is inscribed in front of the cave where Paul had his encounter with an angel who brought the message from Jesus from the throne room. You know, it's such a, a beautiful verse and it's very simple. You know, it's, it's something easy for all of us to do. But the thing is, even if it's super simple and super easy for us to do, most people are going to fight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even, even God fearing Christians fight this message because our nature of living a sinful life, the sin wants to hold on to us as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And if Satan can keep us from fearing God, and usually that is the idea of God does not exist, yeah. what's the fear of the thing you're f- supposed to fear doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a tactic Satan uses. <laughs> yeah, it is. Give glory to him. Well, you can't give glory to somebody if you don't believe he exists. Yeah, Another tactic that Satan uses and if God doesn't exist, and if there's no reason to give him glory, then there's really no fear of an hour of judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, we could just, somebody who does not believe, who is falling victim to the acts of Satan, will just look at everything around him and go, well, yeah, it's happen chance. Yeah. You know, this just happened to happen. You know, it's a coincidence that two molecules in the entire universe happen to randomly collide together and now we're all here. Yeah. And that, that's just the way Satan works is to pull us away from understanding. And when you read, like you said, Revelation 14, seven, and you see the things that it's talking about, fear God, give glory to him, right? Worship him. Those are things that are 
telling, basically reminding us of things we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what things go on in the real world. Every time I see, uh, I'll get packaging and I'll open stuff and there's a warning on it and it says, hey, you know, careful with this, this, and this. And often I look at it and I'm like, why would they put this on this package? Well, if they put it on the package, that means somebody at some point did it, right? Oh, yeah. as, as ridiculous as it might sound, there's a warning there for a reason. And so when I read these verses, like in Revelation 14, 7, and they're telling me, do this, do this, do this, it's because, why? We forget all the time. Mm-hmm. We forget to worship him who made the heavens and the earth. We forget to fear God and give glory to him. And so there's always this, these calls to action for us to remember who your creator is. Remember who you're supposed to guide your worship to. Remember what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And there's always going to be these little things, and we might just read that verse over and over and say, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a part of part of three angels message but there's there's more to it when you start breaking it down that hey these are these are warnings for us to remember the things that we should be doing and who we should be focusing our attention to because it's easy especially now to focus our attention on everything else except our creator focus our attention on hollywood stars on you know we focus our attention on sports figures so we focus our attention on ourselves we turn it on ourselves a lot and it's easy to forget who we're supposed to be focusing our our worship to and you know as we were saying a little bit ago you know the issue that we see with science mm. you know and that's one of the things that kind of caught me off guard with this lesson was the science facts the the scientific nature of one of the lessons and when we look at the lesson dealing with the worship the creator this one is full of like science when you look at some of the stuff it's talking about mm. And the one thing it calls out, you know, especially in that first sentence is Revelation 14, 7 ends with the clarion call to worship the creator. This call is especially important now when most of the scientific and even the Christian world have accepted evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, that we all came from monkeys. Yeah. Pretty much. And if you've been to the zoo lately and watched a monkey, it's pretty convincing at times. You're like, I could see the resemblance there. Yeah, I could, oh. I, I could see how people because we were we were at the zoo not too long ago, and the kids were you know the kids were just like, look at look at how they are and how like their faces they resemble so much of human quality, and it's like, and we watched them for a while and just how they interact with each other and the things they do, and it's like, I mean, I'm a Christian who believes in God and believes in creation, and I can see that and say, okay, I could see the I could see the understanding of why people yeah. say that we do because there's a lot of there's a lot of similar qualities there. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I just had some thoughts in my head, and I just, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Um, no, it, it's, evolution is a very interesting topic. You know, for us, we know we were created by the hand of God. Mm-hmm. That's what we know. But there is a belief, and, you know, Charles Darwin started the concept of evolution. A theory. It has not been proven to be factual. Yeah. That's what people need to remember. It is a theory, mm-hmm. which means Darwin looked at a couple things, saw some similarities and said, Hey, this must tie to one another. So I have this theory, this belief that evolution is what causes creatures to be the way they are. Yeah. Now, honestly, I, I, I'll admit, I kind of see the idea and the understanding of evolution, mm-hmm. not for mankind because mankind does not evolve. You know, if you look at through human history, since the ability to write and record time, 
mankind hasn't changed. We haven't evolved. In fact, we've, there's a line in the movie, the matrix Mm -hmm. that calls this out that of all the organisms on the entire planet earth, mankind is the only one that changes his environment to fit man. Mm -hmm. The environment doesn't change man to fit the environment, you know, and it's such a interesting way of looking at it. Now, I believe, my, my beliefs are, is that the reason why animals are able to change and adapt is because that's how God created these creatures to deal with the fact that we are ruining the world around us because yeah, we've yeah. brought sin into it. Mm-hmm. You know, animals are perfect. When you look at them, you look at how they act, the way they do, they, they act and do the things in the way that they were created to do. Created to do, yeah. So they're perfect beings. Mm-hmm. Mankind, on the other hand, we have in Scripture how we should be, but we choose not to be that. Yeah. Animals don't get to choose to hibernate. It's something that's inside them that is instilled from, yeah. from the time they're created. They know. You look at animals that, um, that as soon as they're born can walk. Horses, for instance. Mm-hmm. The minute a horse or giraffe or gazelle, whatever, the minute they're born, they have the ability to walk, they Try run. to stand immediately, yeah. It's like the first thing. They <laughs> you know, you look at mankind, an infant, you try to stand an infant up, it's, it's going to end badly. Mm-hmm. But that's the difference between the animal kingdom yeah. versus man. And when you try to tie evolution into it, it doesn't make sense for mankind to have evolved. In fact, you know, were there other creatures on this planet? Um, I think, you know, like you have the cavemen, Neanderthals, things like that. Mm. We found skeletons. We found structures, you know, created by these type of beings, but we haven't found anything that links us to these other creatures. You know, you heard of the theory of the missing link, right? Like everything lines up perfectly up to a point. To a point, yeah. Then you just have mankind, but they can't find that link. Uh, yeah. But they yeah. believe it's there. It's like, well, if it if you if there was a link, we would have found um, it by now. <laughs> I think so, right? But we haven't. Yeah. Do we share similar DNA? Yeah, we we share DNA with the the same structure. Well, this is the, the crazy part that I was thinking too, and something I've I've learned is that our DNA is very similar to almost every creature on this planet. We share similarities in DNA. That should tell you right there that a creator designed everything on this planet a certain way, but basically left his calling card in our our beings. Us, we try to change that. Yeah, because we have that freedom too. We have that, like we talked about in many lessons, that that freedom of choice. We can we can choose to go a completely different way mm-hmm. and say. No, I don't want to believe in God. I don't want to believe in creator. I don't want to believe in any of that stuff. I'm just going to kind of go out and live my own life and go on my own path. Mm-hmm. We have that ability. And what's even crazier too is like the, the concept of knowing good and evil. It's something that like is inherent in our being. We know right from wrong. We know not to kill. We know not to do this. We know not to do that. We just instinctively know that. Now, some people ignore that instinct. Of course. But yeah. the mass majority of the population, the entire world, 
has this ingrained sense of morality. Where did that morality come from? That's not something that you just pick up by reading books. No, it, it's ingrained in us. But who ingrained <clears throat> that, that morality? And most people can't answer that. Well, we can, again, because it's in Scripture. Yeah. God created yep. us like that. Now, it, I want to read this part because this really kind of blew my mind when I was thinking about it. You know, it, it talks about the power and the, the beautiful creations that God has created in this entire universe. You know, it says, just to get a small idea of how unlimited God's power is, let's consider just one object of his creation. As you mentioned, the sun. The sun produces more energy in one second, you know, a snap, than humanity has produced by oil, gas, coal, or fire since the beginning of time. So That's every crazy. second, yeah, it's more energy than we've ever created. And we're barely being able to, you know, harness that power by a little bit. Solar power. Oh, yeah. yeah. At, the very, at the very least of that, it's like we're trying to get, you know, some of that, but... We're, we're, we're so far, we're so far away. But I love how it continues. So the sun itself has a diameter of 865,000 miles and could hold 1 million planets the size of our planet. A million of our planets stacked upon each other can fit inside the sun, <clears throat> our sun. Yeah. All right. But the sun is just one of at least 100 billion stars in, in our galaxy. And we're just, that's a guess of yeah. how many stars are in this yeah. galaxy. And not just all galaxies. That's just our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. One star called the Pistol Star gives off as much as 10 million times the power generated by our sun. Yeah. 10 million. Think about that. One million stars the size of our sun can easily fit within the sphere of the Pistol Star. That is just mind-boggling. Yeah, and so you read those stats, and you're like, "What an amazing God to create such an, something such so amazing!" Yet, like we talked about earlier, the other people will look at it and say, "Hail the sun!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> look at the power of the sun. It's so amazing, and we're gonna worship that sun because it's so powerful. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just crazy that you can take one thing, and there's always gonna be two ways to look at it. Yeah, and yeah. it's just. It's, again, one of those things. It's like, well, think about it. Think about where our position in our our solar system is. Mm -hmm. If we were a little closer to the sun, we wouldn't survive. Yeah. If we were a little bit further away from the sun, yeah, we wouldn't survive. Yeah. And it's not a big distance. I mean, just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction difference, either one way or the other. If our if the rotation of our planet, the <clears throat> tilt of our planet changed just a little, the impact it has on this entire planet. Yeah. You know, think about that for a minute. Like, where we are is the, they call it the Goldilocks zone. Yeah. You know, it's not too hot, it's not too cold. And we think that happened by chance. <laughs> There's no you know? way. <clears throat> I mean, we are in a perfect rotation, a we have a perfect amount of seasons, which allows the plant life on this planet to grow and die properly, allows us to be able to live perfectly in harmony on this planet. There's no way that this happened by chance. Yeah. When you look at just the way things are, everything seemed, when you look at it and you throw in the idea of a creator who created all this, 
it makes sense. Because there isn't, there's this belief or a theory called the theory of intelligent design. They're not saying it's God, yeah. but they're saying there's an intelligence to the way things were designed in this universe that are beyond the comprehension of any man. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't comprehend the power of God. You can't comprehend the intelligence of God, the abilities of God, the creativeness of God. You cannot comprehend that. You know, I truly believe in the idea of intelligent design because things just don't happen the way they happen. You know, certain bugs that exist are food for another creature that takes care of something yeah. of a plant. Yeah. You know, the, the chain of coincidence there isn't just coincidence. It, this is like beautifully designed to work and operate in such a certain way that you throw mankind in it and we ruin everything. Yeah, know? we do. We do. But we look at that and you look at mankind and mankind is a completely different being. Like we don't we don't fit in this world for some weird reason. You know, we did before with Adam and Eve. Imperfection, we, yeah. Imperfection. We were part of that. Mm. But why you know, and this is the question I, I pose to people who believe in this evolution theory. I'm like, well, if that is true, then why hasn't mankind evolved? We should have, right? Now, why haven't we developed <clears throat> at the same pace as, as creatures in this universe? Why is it that we have to change our environments to fit us instead of us changing to fit our environment? Mm -hmm. Any creature you look at in this entire planet adapts to the environment that it's in. If it does not adapt, it dies. Mm -hmm. Mankind, on the other hand, <clears throat> we don't. So that right there should tell you something, that how is it that everything else on this planet is in perfect harmony except for us? Yeah. Yeah. And we see in Genesis 1-1 that it tells, you know, tells us about the beginning of creation, and it's the very beginning of what we read in our Bibles, right? In the beginning, God created heavens and earth. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, that's so simple. That's so understandable. But that one verse gives us that whole context for everything that we believe in. That Yes, there is a God who did create everything. Yes. Um, when I was studying the lesson this week, I was having a conversation with my wife, and we were talking about just, uh, we ended up getting into conversation about religion. And I, and I told her, well, I think it's always very interesting that since the beginning of time, through all, all time periods that we can see even, go read history books. Or even if you don't read the Bible, go read history. But there's always been an obsession with worshiping something. People are just naturally inclined to want to worship. They want to they have this spiritual experience, this, you know, uh, finding something outside of themselves. Yeah. Whether it's to a god or to an object or an idol or something spirit, spirit, you know, spiritualistic in however form you want to you wanna say it is. But yeah. there's always this, this fascination with it. Think about people who go ghost hunting and go, they, they have a fascination with the unknown. And there's always that. And I, and I asked her, like, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think that, that people are always having this fascination with finding out something? And as we're discussing it, it, it keeps coming back to the, that because we were, like you say, ingrained in the beginning to worship our creator. It's, it's within us. It's, when it, it's, it's built within us in humanity to be able to want to worship. We were designed to worship God. 
We were designed to worship him who made all things. And even though we broke away from that and sin separated us from God, we still have this desire inside. And uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 tells us, fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And that fearing God part is just talking about like acknowledge that he is, acknowledge that he exists, acknowledge that he is the one who created all things. Pay attention to who he is. We have it. We always have that question of, well, what was my purpose? Yeah. What am I here? It's right right there. (laughs) The the whole duty of man is for us to to continue to worship our creator. Yes. I mean, that is our purpose. And in the process we get, you know, we've seen because of sin, we've, we've deviated from that. But now it's our purpose now is to get people to acknowledge that God is still the creator. It's not about, you know, and, and I know there's always a misconception about it today is, oh, well, there's people in those churches, you know, people in church, they just want you to go evangelize so they could bring you into their church. But the reality of it is, no, I don't care if you come to my church and I don't care if you become a member of my church. The point is I want you to acknowledge that there's a God who exists and that you should worship him and understand that there was the, that God's son came down to this earth to die so that way you have a chance to be able to have eternal life. Like that's, that's what we're, that's what we're trying to preach. And there's always, there's always going to be, looked at it in different ways say well yeah i want you to come to my church so our numbers can grow well that's not the point the point is for us to be able to tell people to get them back to this whole thing to be able to get them to follow commandments of god to obey god to to acknowledge that he is and 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 worship him Mm -hmm. and that's what we're battling against in this world we're battling against the worship of everything else except the worship of god and, and everywhere, schools, especially schools, right? Yeah. You know, teaching our kids. And, uh, and there's always going to be a battle with that about worshiping God versus worshiping man. And it's been since the beginning of time. And now we see it through all through history and it's going to continue till the very end. Yep. And it's, I like how this goes into the very next lesson on a God who is close. You know, you brought up a really good point about, you know, when you look at societies around the world, mm-hmm. the one thing almost every society, even societies who've never talked to each other, have the same drive yeah. to know a creator. There's a creator in almost every faith, religion, belief, whatever. It's something or someone created the things around us. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not here by chance. There is a purpose to why we're all here. And it's crazy when you look at all these other faiths, these these tribes in the Amazon, the uh, the ones in Mexico. You look at the tribes here in the United States. You look at you know the cultures in Africa. They all share that same commonality of there's something greater than us yeah. that has a hand in everything that goes on. And for most people, they spend their entire lives searching for that, mm-hmm. for what it is that they're that they're missing. Because you can have money you can have fame you can have but there's always going to be that missing void oh yeah and until you fill that missing void with that purpose you're always going to feel lost you're always going to feel empty like there's something missing because there was something missing that original point that we just talked about there's going to be something missing because we were all built in with it Mm -hmm. and what i love here too is when we uh we look at this one this one verse and it's in john 17 23 and it says you know this is talking about about god and man, you know, the union it says, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them 
as you have loved me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's talking about that, <clears throat> that closeness that we all strive to have. We all have that, that feeling inside that we're not worshiping God. We're not trying to commune with God. You know, people feel empty. Yeah. Like they're missing something. And what we see right here is when you are in him and he is in you, there's a perfection that's made. There is this connection that, you know, you're, it, it, it's a gap that's filled. And, you know, it, it's such a beautiful thing to think about that, you know, as it goes on in here, it says we live and move and have our being. And that's from Acts 17, 28. Mm-hmm. You know, God when he is in our lives and we are inviting him in, the things that happen is beyond what we can even comprehend. You know, we see when alcoholics ask God for help, ask God to help them get over their, their addiction. Mm-hmm. It happens. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, miracles happen all the time when people commune and are close to God. In fact, you know, there's been situations where major events have happened where the lives of people have been threatened, basically. And the most hardcore atheists will break down and pray, which tells you something that even those who deny God his existence, deny God the power that he has, when times of crisis occur, those people instinctively know that, their salvation is only through God. And it's, it's crazy how that happens. You know, just when you think about it, that even in those moments of people who deny, they can still be affected by God. Still be, yeah. And, and I think that when you look at this title this week, I mean, for this portion of the lesson on this day, a God who is close. We know that God exists beyond a level of our understanding, like mm-hmm. we talked about. We can't explain where he came from, where, what he, you know, where he is, what he is. All. But yet, even with that, even with that knowledge that he's the same God that lived in this world, that came down, that wanted to be with humanity, so that way he can understand yes. what we hear. I understand what you feel like. When you're, in de- when you're depressed and you're sad, I understand what you feel like. Isn't, isn't that always, that's always amazing me because we, we really do understand that because <clears throat> think about how we are in this world. If we're going through something and somebody says, oh, you know, hey, I know what you feel like, but, but, but you know that they don't because they've never been through it. Yep. You're like, no, you don't. You're just trying to make me feel good. Yeah. But then you have the person who comes to you and says, hey, I've been where you've been. I've been at the bottom. I've been in the depths. You know, I've gone through exactly what you, and this is what helped me go through this and this and this. And you say, yeah, that, that's actually very helpful to me because you understand what I went through. You mm-hmm. know what it feels like, the pain and anguish that I'm dealing with. You understand that. And so when we, we go through this life, it would I think it would have been very different if Christ hadn't come and lived on this earth because we would yeah. have said like, well, you know, here's God way up here and here, here I am way down here. And of course, a God's not going to pay attention to me. I mean, there's going to be, I'm just a little speck on this entire planet. You know, yep. there, there, what, 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 do, what do I mean to him? But when he came down to be with humanity, now it changed everything. Because he's, I lived among you. I, I, I feel what you feel. I went through the temptations you go through. I understand what it's like to overcome. And he did it to show that mankind, through the power of God, through the power of God, mm-hmm. can overcome. Yes. 
and that that's the that 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 gives us hope, right? Oh yeah. Especially when we're going through those hard times that we just feel that there's nobody else close to us. And again, yeah, it's it's such a powerful thing, you know, when you stop and you recognize that the things in this universe are in control. There is a harmony that exists. It's just do you want to be a part of that harmony or do you not want to be a part of that harmony? And I think for most people, they want or strive for, for peace in their hearts and minds. And when you're not communing with God, you're not bringing God into that to create that oneness. You're always going to struggle. You're always (coughs) going to feel the temptation. You're always going to feel, you know, these issues. And again, like you said, you know, it's, it's hard for someone who's never gone through the experiences that you've gone through to understand. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think about how lucky we are that we have somebody on our behalf who is conversing with their father for us yeah. saying, I have walked their path. I know how hard it is. I've seen firsthand, you know, the temptations that exist, as you said, you know, the things that happen, you know, I've seen broken hearts firsthand. I have seen, you know, wounds that aren't visible to the eye. I've seen those things. I've helped heal those things. You know, that's to me, I don't think anything else can even comprehend to that. I don't, I don't think, you know, anyone else can do what Christ did. Yeah. And, and this presents to us a question and that question is, how can we learn to know that God is close to us even when we don't feel it? Mm-hmm. Because our feelings really dictate a lot of what direction we go. Yes. And so we need to learn to to know his closeness. And as, as in the notes section of, of this portion of the lesson, I thought it was interesting. It said that we dishonor God when we think of him only as a judge ready to pass sentence upon us. How many of us think about God like that? Yeah. Constantly, right? And we forget that he is a loving father. The whole spiritual life is molded by our conceptions of God. And if we cherish erroneous views of his character, our souls will sustain injury. That is so powerful because our whole spiritual life is molded on how we view God. If we view God as somebody who's just going to punish us for every move we make, right? This dictator who's sitting up on his throne, who's ready to throw a lightning bolt at us as soon as we mess up. We view God that way in our entire lives, and yeah, we're going to have a completely different view of God. We're never going to have him as a God who understands us and who's close to us. But if I view a God who is a loving father, who cares for me and wants to help me and wants to, uh, wants to see me grow and overcome the things that are, that are pulling me back, then yeah, I'm going to have a whole different view of what God is. So to me, God is that loving father, that caring one, that somebody I know I can go to and talk to when I'm feeling completely helpless and hopeless and alone, but for somebody who views God as the judge ready to pass sentence, are you going to go to him and tell him the things you did wrong? Confess your sins? No, because you're going to feel like, oh, well, if I confess my sins to him, or if I, he's just going to he's going to punish me. And many times you hear people say that too. You hear people say, well, I'm going through this in my life because God punishing me for what I did. Mm-hmm. And we have that view of God, and it's like, no, 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 no. God, God's, God's not punishing you for what you did. Yes, we have to understand that our choices in this world carry consequences 
And sometimes those consequences have to be lived out because yeah. those are, are the consequences of our own choices. But it doesn't mean that God's, you know, just, hey, I'm going to punish you for that, what you did. Does he want us to learn? Absolutely, he wants us to learn. Does he want us to repeat the same mistakes over and over? No, he wants us to get past that. He wants us to 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 make sure that we're growing each and every day to overcome those things that are pulling us back. Mm-hmm. But and our whole spiritual life is molded by our conception of God as powerful, because for each and every person that that's going to matter. It's going to be very meaningful how you view God if He's close or not. Yes. Um, I, I think one thing we need to remember, and too, is, you know, yes, God will God will pass judgment on this planet when it's time. Mm-hmm. But the part that I really, really love about this study is the fact that it takes the emphasis off that judgment part, because we shouldn't just see God as a judge, mm-hmm. because we look at that first line in. In Genesis, it said God created. Didn't say God judged, God punished, God passed condemnation or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It said God created. You know, I think that is such a big thing is that we need to recognize that God is our creator. Just hands down, he is the creator. Mm -hmm. And if he really wanted to pass judgment on us, he could have done that at any point. Yeah. You know, there is no need for Jesus then as a redeemer. There is no need for the sacrifice that God made if he was just a God of judgment. Mm-hmm. And I love how it talks about that, that, you know, to give praise and worship to God who created, not not God who judged, yeah. not God who condemned. And... I think for a lot of us, when we focus on the negative aspect of it, we completely miss <clears throat> the beauty, the the amazing power, the astonishing things that he's done. We look past that. And I think for a lot of faiths out there, they focused mostly just on the punishment part, that yeah. you do something, you're going to be punished for it. You do this, you're going to be punished for it. And, and they turn back to the Old Testament for that a lot. While the children of Israel, they, they disobeyed God and they were punished well why why is that the case and i said well it, it's not that god just wants to punish him like do you understand if you read the the, the old testament about the specifically about the children of israel they they were given clear instruction do this do this do this and then they didn't do it yep like we said it before what happens when you choose to do something that is contrary to what you know you should be doing there's consequences and those consequences are going to have to happen yes right if I go out now and I go and I kill somebody, I say, well, yeah, God's going to forgive me if I kill somebody. Yes, God will forgive me, but guess what? I still will have to go to jail mm-hmm. because there's consequences to my actions. And then I could sit in a jail cell and say, well, why did God send me to jail? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 God didn't send me to jail. There's a punishment for what I had, for what I chose to do. Does God forgive me? Yeah, he'll forg- he will forgive me. But it, but I can't just use that as an, as an excuse all the time to say, well, God's going to forgive me and expect that everything else, all the rest of the punishment part of it is going to go away. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. There's consequences to our actions. And so many people will look back at the Old Testament and, and specifically the children of Israel and say, well, look, God, God, God made them go through all kinds of stuff. Oh, God didn't make them go. They, no. they chose it. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think what I like, too, about this lesson is, is how the lesson ends. You know, the creator on the cross 
you know, this here completely destroys that idea that God is only a God of judgment and only an angry God. You know, I love how it says here, the God who said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, which is Genesis one twenty six, mm-hmm. is the same one who on the cross cried out, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sebastiani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Now think about that for a second. The God who created mankind in his likeness to endure the punishment that man deserved. Yep, and and even one sentence before what you just read, that the creator is our redeemer. Mm-hmm. That's like... That's like a that's like a good <laughs> a good story somebody wrote right that had a good ending like that's that's just that's almost unheard of like the fact that the person who created us was the same one that saw that when we were separated just didn't so okay well sorry you have to be left to your own choices now like, that's what happened there was a plan already set in place to be able to come and redeem us and I just want us to end on this one because I love what it says in Philippians two seven and eight. I think this really sums up this entire lesson this week. You know, it says, The one who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water, is the same one who, through being God, took the form of a bondservant and came in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Mm-hmm. Now, if that doesn't tell you that this is a God of love, that this is a God who wants to be with us, a God who wants that communion again, then I don't know what is. Yeah. But with that, um, we'll go ahead and close with the prayer. Um, so bow your heads. Thank you, Lord, for this lesson. We thank you for being our Redeemer and our Creator. And Lord, we ask that you be with us today as we go through this week. We ask that you forgive us for our sins and be with us as we continue learning more about your word and learning to commune with you in the ways that we need to. Lord, we thank you for this day and we ask for forgiveness for our sins. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening this week. And if you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website threeangelssda.org slash podcast and use the comment section. There you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as any of our other programs. Also, do not forget to subscribe, like, and share this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. God bless you all and join us next week as we go over the next lesson titled The Sabbath and the End.